welcome the education forum and our discussion on should teacher strike um, should teacher strike during an education crisis question mark. So I'm Kevin Rooney, a member of the education forum, and I'm chairing tonight's discussion. So. Um, we have three fantastic speakers and we have Gregor Claude. Gregor Claude's an art teacher in a London school and we have Garth Sturdy and Garth Sturdy's been a teacher in many schools and right now, Garth, how would you describe your current role? I'm now working online education. Online education and we have Connor McCrory, uh, a Belfast man in London educating the English and Connor teaches in a Hackney school and he is a biology teacher and also a union rep. I'm going to ask the speakers questions and only got 30 to 45 seconds to just quick fire answer. And I'm going to ask them, I've got 10 questions in front of me. I'll ask them four or five and we'll see what they bite on and what provokes the audience. And after four or five quick fire round responses, we'll just go straight out to the audience. Um, okay. First question, 30 seconds, 60 seconds max. Teachers are not very enthusiastic about this strike action. The NEU got 53%, barely over half. My union, NSUWT, didn't even get 50%. There's apathy everywhere. There's no enthusiasm for the strike. Go. Uh, so, one, teachers are enthusiastic for this strike um, in the sense that um, those who are on strike and who voted for the strike don't want to strike. I, don't, I, I know literally one person in my school who wants to strike. Second, teachers are... Uh, the, the, the vote, um, uh, in terms of how how much engagement there was with that vote, um, I think reflects a uncertainty about what a union is and what it's for. But once that vote happened, I tell you what, I saw a huge amount of enthusiasm on the demo on the strike day. Interesting. Yep. Teachers, um, teachers never want to strike. Um, the, the last time we had, uh, action, well, in the union that I was part of, um, really, really difficult to, to actually get people to get fired up about the strike. Um, it's always been difficult. It is interesting that we, we now have at least one union with enough members voting to strike. But it'll be interesting for me to see how long this persists, how many days action that they are going to end up striking for. Connor, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, my experience is that teachers are very enthusiastic about it. I know, I know it varies across the country, but my school, we had a 90% turnout for teachers. We had a 100% turnout for support staff, even though support staff didn't meet the threshold nationally. Um, since the strike dates were announced, the NUs um, had a 50,000 increase in membership. So already told it's the biggest trade union in the country. Um, so my experience is that there is a tremendous amount of, of, of enthusiasm. Um, Hackney, my borough, had a 70% turnout overall for teachers, so we were way above the threshold. Obviously, that, that varies across the country. There'll be some sort of rural-urban split. There'll be a split between schools that do and don't have reps and so on. But there is a massive amount of enthusiasm, and that has only increased since those the, the conclusion of it. Okay, brilliant. I think there's a lot to be argued about there. You make your points really well. I'm not sure it's as clear-cut as you say. Okay, second question. How do we balance the idea of what you call vocation or public service with the idea that teachers want to strike for a wage and that's going to have effects and damage kids potentially? Who would like to pick up again? Quick fire. I'm happy to. Um, I think that this is one of the, the questions that I would really like to think through. Um, I think that it's a big picture question. Um, on the one hand, what do we do? If, we, if we're talking about a liberal education, what do we do? We have this ideal of educating the new generation of human beings 
um, in such a way that is suitable for free human beings. At the same time, and in contradiction, I think, to that role, we play a massive role in supporting people going to work tomorrow. Um, and we play a massive role in the, uh, the babysitting of children, for example, that allows parents to go to work tomorrow. And so we have this tension between the day-to-day -day production, our role in the day-to-day -day production and reproduction of this world, and our role in the longer-term project of creating a world fit for humans. Um, and uh, and offering the education that that, um, that that can lead to that, I think that that's reflected in that that tension is reflected in the question you're asking. But I don't get that. Look, when it's all like a bit highfalutin, what you're saying. So, are you preferred to damage kids or not? Go on and strike. Yes or no? Uh, well, let me give you an example. This school, that my school last week shut down. It shut down because it's got this certain kind of concrete panels in the roofs that we've known for decades um, are unsafe and there hasn't been investment in schools. Now, that is damaging kids' education. It's damaging kids' education because they're not getting the investment they need. Gregor, okay, mate, I think you're evading the question. So we know that schools are underfunded. You can say you're going to strike for schools being underfunded, brilliant. I'm, you're also striking for a better wage. Are you prepared to go on strike and effectively damage kids' education, yes or no? I think that, that it's an unavoidable situation. Thank you, brilliant. It's never unavoidable. You know, there is an alternative uh, strikes are not the only action for a start um, but we can't have this discussion this debate in the abstract it has to be in the context of what's immediately preceded it which is a, a huge I'm going to use that word unprecedented crisis in education and uh, so teachers have absolutely the right and the reason to seek uh, better remuneration and better working conditions, but they don't necessarily have to do that through striking in this specific historic context that we find ourselves in. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I, no, I acknowledge the tension and we should be open and honest about that. When, when I withdraw my labour for a day and my school shuts down, students do lose a day's education and so on. But they lost a day's education for the Queen's Jubilee, they lost it for royal weddings and so on. And we had the same people who criticised the strikes who were very happy for schools to be closed for that. And I obviously think in, complete, you know, in the opposite form. I mean, in terms of that tension, we would say that the disruption for, you know, the four current plan days of education are a, a, a small disruption relative to that which kids are already experiencing as a result of things like teacher retention and recruitment crisis. You know, students being taught by non-specialists across subjects, students being taught by long-term supply teachers. We think that, you know, as the sort of title of the forum was, you know, should teachers strike during a time of crisis? We're striking because of a time of crisis. Fine. Okay. Third question, and it should take you three seconds to answer this question. So, Miri Boosted is retiring. She was on Radio 4 about two weeks ago, um, Nick Robinson program, and she was asked a question. She says, oh, we're on strike, but we would never damage the life chances of students. We would never, for example, go on strike during GCSEs or A-levels. I think if you're serious about a strike, you would absolutely do that to inflict maximum damage. My question to you three is, do you think, do you support the idea of teachers going on strike during things like GCSE exams and A-levels, which will inflict maximum damage, but at the same time is a strong weapon? Yes or no? No. No. If it was a democratic will of my members, then I would support it. But do you... Would you advocate it? Would you? I, I would need to think through that one more. I'd say we don't want to get there. The government at any point could give us an offer which avoids that. So Brilliant. I put it in the hands of the government. Okay, great. Two more questions. Then we'll go for more long-term thoughtful contributions from the audience. Okay, 12% pay claim. 
lots of red wing commentators and maybe not red wing com- commentators and it's too fantastical uh, lots of ordinary people going I'm sympathetic to teachers but that's too much you're just going to rise inflation do you accept that the 11 to 12% that unions are hinting at is just too much and you'll settle for much less uh, I, I, I think that it's definitely not too much I think that that is a conservative um, uh, demand in light of the fact that we've had um, we, we've had pay cuts every year real terms for the last 10 years Okay, brilliant. Um, teachers have got uh, every right to to to, to seek the, the the largest, highest pay claim they can, um, but that's got to be based on the nature of the job they do and the um, the response of the teaching profession as a whole during the pandemic has has fatally undermined that claim. I think in the in the context of wider society. Brilliant, mate, and thank you for being so concise, Connor. Well, uh, 12% pay claims, not, uh, not not too much. Again, the you know, figures are approximately 20 to 23% real-term pay cuts since 2010. So we're talking that even, even our current demand for uh, an inflation match and fully funded, I should say, uh, pay rise is, is you know, uh, it's small numbers compared to the relative cuts that we've had. What, what's your identity? As teachers, what's your identity? How do you how do you define yourself? When you get out of bed in the morning and you go to school, what are you? I mean, are you an intellectual? Are you a socializer of people? Are you a social justice warrior who wants to you know, use your job to promote equality? Are you a worker, a member of the working class who sells your labour? Uh, and you might say to be a bit of all of that. But what's your primary identity? How do you think about that ever? I'd, I'd come back to, as you say, it is a little bit abstract, but I'd come back to the point I was trying to make earlier, which is that we reach towards being those liberal educators that offer students an education that is suitable for being a free human being. Um, and yet, at the same time, we have this other role that does place us firmly in people who um, uh, whose function is to, whose role is to keep the economy ticking over. We're both. Um, I mean, I'm I'm no longer a, a classroom teacher, but um, I think yeah, I think the question is a bit sort of abstract. Certainly, teachers are certainly not you know workers in in the sense of the working class. They're kind of uh, they're part part of the professional class, and I think that has a bearing on what we're talking about here. But the most important thing for me in this context is teachers embody what education is supposed to be. Whatever that is, they, they put a human form on education. And that's the problem with all of this. Because if they come out of the classroom in the context that we're in, they, they are saying something in that action about what education means. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Good answer. Yeah, I mean, when rubber hits the road with this question and, and people criticise teachers for either for their stance on on, on partial school closures during COVID or on uh, withdrawing the labour industrial action, they regularly give us a sort of moral lecture about the fact that we've got this vocation and so on. But the first minute a school closes or we withdraw our labour, they say, well, what are parents supposed to do? How are they supposed to get to work? And I'd say, well, on the one hand, you can't tell me that I should be driven by a moral force and a vocation and then complain about an instrumental demand that a parent can't go to work. Am I a babysitter or am I a science teacher? Yeah. That's brilliant. And the reason you said it's an abstract question, last, but I think it's a great question because this is a very personal thing before we go out. I, more than I've ever done, see myself as my primary identity is not as you described it. It's I'm working class mm. and I sell my labour. 
and it's us and them. And that's why I go out and strike right through GCSE and A-level. You could say you're a scumbag, not ourself, just this and that. But it's an, it's an important discussion because I'm finding teachers are all over the place on this. And that's why I asked you the question. Now, you can come back to me now and it's out to the audience and we'll have a more thoughtful discussion. Just really quick, just on what you've just said, is that I think um, class is, a, is, is something that changes historically, changes over time. And I think that if we ask the question, um, who's working class, it's related to the question, who could possibly work from home? Who could possibly work from home? Now, I, it doesn't exactly matter, but teachers can't work from home um, uh, in the same way that shelf stackers or train drivers can't work from home. And I do think whatever that means, I'm not overclaiming on this, but I think it does tell us something important about teachers' class position today. Brilliant. Thoughts? It's, it's just an observation, really. Um, uh, the state seems entirely absent from the discussion. So there seems to be no discussion at all um, about what the employer is doing here, the government, um, who seem to be just sort of stonewalling and not, not budging an inch. Um, and that can't, if we don't bring government into this, then we can't, I mean, we can discuss, you know, duty and stuff like that. But so the political question is, how is this, going to be resolved. That's the discussion I think we need to have. How, how is this moved forward? And that can't be moved forward unless we introduce the employer, which is ultimately the government. You're right, but I also think you're wrong, Toby, before I go to the next person, because I think you you don't, don't underestimate the conversation teachers have to have about where they're at and whether they're capable of winning this and how united they are and, and how apathetic they are. So you're right, you want to bring the state in, but I, I do think, it, you know, I stand by how I've phrased the question so far, that there's a really important conversation for teachers to have amongst themselves first. And of course, they're striking against someone, and that is obviously whether you call it the state or the government. Um, Shirley and then Alex. Well, I have to admit, when I first read the title, Seriously, because I thought, uh, and then I thought, oh, the, the disruption that COVID caused to the education. I, I think uh, my, my first question, I think I've got a series of questions and comments, is, is then so what's the fallout? What has been the repercussions of, of, of um, the COVID sort of? Uh, Situation where a lot of schools weren't open very much for quite a long time. Um, and I could make comments about the quality of teachers' ability to adapt to provide at least an adequate, I'm talking across the board, I'm not, you know, um, provide an alternative that was at least adequate. Is that what the problem was? In which case, you know, um, I think that's an issue that needs to be looked at and in the same way as I would say when you ask the question, Kevin, about what's a teacher. I've, I've been thinking for a long while that I think teachers see themselves as foot soldiers. Um, I forget the class bit, I do think that, you know, professions, they don't see themselves as professionals anymore, a lot of teachers. Young, and I'm talking about young teachers mostly, and I guess there probably is a, a period, you know, people who perhaps have a different experience of being in the classroom, but I think now we do have a generation of teachers who are, if you like, foot soldiers and who 
just the word, the fact that people talk about delivery all the time. Mm. You know, and I, I, when I was in teacher education, I'd say, post me, deliver your letters. You are educators, right? You know, don't deliver lessons, but teach them. And I think that might sound superficial, but actually I think it's quite fundamental. Also, is really a response and part of the whole abandonment of the liberal education that we've been talking about. Because I don't really see a lot of liberal education around the country, at least the celebration of liberal education, right? The, the strike now might be, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I called you or not, to be honest, but what I would have liked to have seen is 20 years ago, people coming out and saying, we don't like what you're doing to education. And really taking the bull by the horns then, and you know, and actually try doing unions should have been saving education, not now just worried about Great. Alex, as I go to you, can everybody think about what Shirley said and what Gregor said? Because I know what I think about what you two are doing. I thought about it beforehand. You're talking about a liberal education, you're talking about foot soldiers, and you're talking about what's happened to the teachers, you're talking about autonomy and professionalism. That's all dead on. This is a dispute over paying conditions, right? And what I want to know is, you know, is Gregor cheating and possibly Shirley bringing that in? And if they're not cheating, how do you do that? How do you square what they're trying to introduce into a discussion about a strike over paying conditions? Or do we think actually, Kevin, you, you, you've missed, you've missed the trick here. They're absolutely one and the same. Now, that's a really important discussion. Now, we all know that if you do, if you do a poll, the thing that most annoys teachers is not their lack of pay. It's about the conditions. The recruitment and retention crisis is not about pay. All the polls say it's about the conditions. How they feel as if they're maybe not a professional. So what you bring in is fascinating. And can a cleverer person than me think about that and tell me whether or not we're making a mistake to try to bring those things together and they should be kept separate or what's the overlap between them? That's, so that's my question really, which is um, what are teachers striking for? I don't get a sense of is there a bigger is this bigger than just pay and if you mean conditions what conditions so um, you know a big problem in this dispute and other disputes is that it, you know it's the unions and the leadership okay being, being led by people who we saw during COVID um, you know have lost the plot in terms of what their their, their jobs are about so um, so when you ask our people behind this. You know, it's clearly it's mixed, but I just yeah, I'd like I'd like to know more about what people striking for. So. And Paul, can you think a bit more about that in terms of he approaches it, he presents it like that, but I'm interested more in he sort of have the go at the union leadership, what you understand. I'm more interested in the lack of agency of individual teachers or not? Question mark. It's very easy to blame the union, but maybe they deserve a kick in. But what about the individual agency of a teacher? And also, to what extent the teachers agree about things? I, I My opinion is half of my teachers and my staff from the social justice warriors. There's a couple of intellectuals. There's a couple of other teachers who it's hard to pin down while they're teachers and so on. So um, we'll take one more, which is Hillary, and then it's back to you to pick up what you want, guys. So I have three points. Two, two are not, not really specific to teaching, but the first is the role of trade unions. Because at one point, the role of trade unions was not just a because it was actually to... 
um, being controlled and disciplined in the workplace. And it feels to me that that's a role that the trade unions need to reinvent for themselves and stop just being so victim focused and, and you know, representing the, the worst teachers rather than the, the best teachers. So I think a discussion about your trade unions would be helpful. The second is that, not, again, not just in teaching, but it, it does feel like a lot of the striking workers are being blamed for what is a failure of public services more widely. You know, nobody expects a train to run time then. You know, whether it's a strike or not, you know, you just don't expect it because they're all crap. And again, you know, we need discussion, much wider social discussion about what's the role of public service, public services, and you know, let, let, let's kick that off. But my, I think my main point is, is really to just kind of hold your feet to the fire a bit. So when you're talking about the fact that you know you are the educators of the next generation and you upholders of liberal values in education, well, come on guys, prove it. So don't just wave a banner on a bloody picket line. Organise some like Sammy Stack schools with the te- with the parents. You know, just say. You know, parents, we don't want to put you to any, any um, uh, disruption. So we'll all be out on strike, but actually we'll all be down at the church at the end of the road. We'll be teaching philosophy or uh, reading a book. You know, we'll be doing something that's not not a curriculum. We're abandoning our curriculum altogether. We're taking into our own hands our duty to educate the next generation. We're forgetting about your stupid curriculum and we're actually going to really educate your kids. And, you know, okay, there's a health and safety hazard. Who cares, you know? Let's really just kind of take control of lives again. Not just not as teachers, but as workers and as parents, you know, and as members of society. And that's brilliant. I really enjoyed all those contributions from the very first one to the last and all in between. So it's up, up to you. Pick up what you want, come back. You're not going to be able to answer everything. So the one that really exercises you probably most, start with that. Did you want to kick in there? Yeah, I wanted to just just uh, pick up on on Hillary's point there at the end, which I think is is the heart of it. And I think you're you're right in in so many ways that I mean, ten ten years ago, more than ten years ago now, when the pay freeze was first introduced, this that was that was the NAS's line that they didn't want to go on on strike and injure education, but they would do everything possible to cause difficulty for both the government and the people running schools in order to make a point. And there were some, there were some victories, you know, uh, rarely cover wasn't a thing then and it is now, you know, or at least it should be. You know, there were, there were victories in that way. The, where I challenge Hillary is I think, I don't think you need to go and set up a school, you know, in the church hall. It's a, it's a, it's a great idea. Um, but you can, you can keep kids in school and teach them and have the system for doing that running without buying into so much else that is the problem with teaching when people talk about conditions. In all honesty, the time for this was during COVID. When the government said, we're going to roll up the education of children in this country, we're going to do it all online, we don't really need teachers in classrooms. The time for this action was then. And I cannot help thinking that a, a large part of this strike is the fact that teachers knew that they shouldn't be doing that when they were doing it during COVID, that they shouldn't be out of the classroom. They shouldn't just be rolling over and let the government do what they did to them then, but they just didn't have the balls to oppose it. And this is a kind of reaction to that. And if enough members can get together and feel like they're really sticking it to the government, then maybe 
COVID wasn't quite so bad for education. Well, wrong. You know, Shirley's point about, well, what, what was the, the effect of it? You know, the, the, the thousands, the tens of thousands of kids that have just gone missing out of schools. Nobody knows where they are. Nobody knows what's happening to those kids. They're trying to throw money at that situation. The money's being burnt away. It's, it's, it's doing little to nothing. The exam system is, is on its knees. The two years of kids that didn't sit any exams and now trying to get the exam system to function again is difficult in the extreme. The, the, the whole value of classroom education, the, the having a teacher in a classroom, it's gone because as I said in the piece I wrote about this, after the strike day and after the next strike day and after every strike day, head teachers will write to all their parents and say, uh, the teacher's on strike, we couldn't open the school, but don't worry because learning went on because we all did it online. And if that's not an attack on the professionalisation of the industry or, or, or of, of education, then I don't know what is. Uh, attainment has has plummeted. We've got Thousands of kids that are nowhere near where they should be just in basic things like reading and maths. That's just some of the effects of COVID. The time to oppose it was when that happened. This is a rearguard action that's going to achieve little. Thank you, comrade. It's good to get that off your chest. Yeah, I feel better now. I can go now. Great. Um, do you, uh, there's people wanting to get in from yeah. the floor, so whenever you want to come in, go. Okay. Um, look, I think that... Um, in a way, so many interesting points and questions. I think that um, we spent a long time, uh, decades, in what you might think of as a post-political climate um, where apathy was anywhere you looked because nobody thought that you could do anything. This, I would argue, is um, what the beginnings of, a, of the end of a post-political period looks like. Um, and so I think, if I, when I'm feeling very optimistic, I think maybe... Apathy is gone, but maybe apathy has been replaced by not sort of gung-ho, let's do it, but maybe just a fatalism. Maybe not apathetic, but fatalist. That's one of the things that the conversations that I'm having in terms of um, how teachers are feeling about what they're doing. Mm. But fatalism is a little bit better than apathy. We could go a lot further than that. But I think that, that the symptoms of coming out of a post-political age where people are beginning to ask big questions again means that... Um, Toby, your point, uh, that, um, that the state is absent from the discussion. Well, who knows to bring the state into the discussion? We've got to relearn some of these things, it seems to me. Um, it seems that there are all kinds of ways in which um, the conditions of what people are demanding, what, uh, what, what kind of support there's going to be, is extre- the, the con- these conditions are extremely unclear. Um, and I love your idea, Hilary, in the sense that it poses the question, what kind of opportunities are there in a situation in which um, in, in which maybe more things are possible than were possible, maybe more maybe people think more things are possible than they once thought uh, was possible in previous eras. Lots of uh, lots of um, uh, clarification to ha- to happen. Lots of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I'll just pick up on two things a little bit. What was it? Hillary said, and um, um, I'll come back to Gareth. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important to frame that, that this is happening in the context of lots and lots of industrial disputes. You know, when we were in the first Department for Education office staff were out in PCS, Ofsted staff were out in strike, uh, UCU staff were out in strike. When I'm out in the 15th, ASLEP were out, RMT were out, UCU were out, PCS were out. So, you know, th- th- this is the climate that we're in. Right? We have this 
we have this, you know, sort of resurgence in maybe some sort of like worker agency actually saying, you know, we, can, we can collectively do things together. And I think that's something that's obviously been missing. I haven't been on strike for seven years. You know, I've been on strike seven, eight times in the 14 years that I've been a teacher. But for a lot of my younger colleagues, this is the first time they've ever felt that they've been able to take agency. And we talk about the decline of, you know, agency and people's subjectivity and thinking they can actually act for themselves. I think there's something positive in this for those of us. They love being on the picket line. They love going to the demo, meeting up with other people from schools. And if they've only been, only been teaching three, four years, then being able to finally take part in what was probably the most democratic mechanism that they've ever taken part in, to be honest, far more democratic than half of the council and, and governmental elections that they would have taken part in. Somewhere where they actually, not just vote, but actually, actually act with their feet. They actually act and, and, and they sacrifice. One thing, I mean, I haven't explained to somebody, a fellow I train with at the gym, I haven't explained to them, you're on strike, you actually use a, lose a day's pay. He goes, oh, we're paying for all these people who are on strike. You know, people on strike lose it. You withdraw your labour, you don't get paid. But very weird, but there's a collective memory that's obviously been lost in industrial disputes. Um, and just on the, on, the, on the notion of the t-shirts, I mean, there is a little bit of that. I think Lewisham, any year, doing some t-shirts on the day. So not a big thing, but it's it's there. It's, it's in the mix. And just to come back to the stuff Gar said about, about COVID. And obviously, I've had this conversation before around COVID. I mean, I don't recognise the tenor of some of the conversations about what happened in COVID as someone who worked in a, sc- in a school the entire way through COVID. Um, supported by my union, I was on a, on a weekly rota. Our school never closed for a single day throughout the entire COVID thing. It was always open to... Special educational needs school, students, uh, students in free school meetings, vulnerable kids, free, uh, people who were key workers, and only 1% of our kids came in because during a public health emergency, the parents and communities acted in what they deemed to be their collective interest and not stupid and they're framed as being stupid. No, they, they, they evaluated the arguments and they decided that they wanted to keep their kids at home in a place where I was during the first wave of the pandemic. Hackney had the third highest death rate per capita and that's, and, and these are people making what they deem to be a rational decision, and you, we can talk about people as if they were daft, but the the, the, the sort of the, the tenor of conversations about two, two years of lost education, just thinking, what was I doing the entire time? Because I was actually in school, and yeah, from March for, from January to March 2021, there was eight weeks where we were closed and were online. The rest of the time we were in school, yeah. we were in daft bubbles, and during from, from March 2020, to, to, to June 2020. The reason I can round these things off because I was in the middle of it, was in the thick of it, and I was I, I was a union rep during that, and I was in school working with vulnerable kids. Is we were close for three months, and then we had kids back in school in June 2020. So the tenor of a lot of these things, I just do not recognise, and it must be people who weren't in schools. I've got to be honest. Okay, look, look, there's a massive fight waiting to get out between you two, and just get it out. <laughs> no, 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 no. These are good friends, and I, you know, I wanted to come back and sell anything, but I'm not going to. Get it all out, right? Get it right out on the table in the most straightforward, friendly, camaraderie way and try and tease this out. I just, everybody, look and listen to what Garth said. The question I have, just the only question, I'll let you deal with your ding-dong in terms of, like, the other issue is, um, Garth feels very strongly about COVID and what happened, teachers he thinks let kids down. Does that argument about the critique of teachers stand to the strike is Garth right to carry his critique over to the current strike? I'd be interested to see what people got to say about that. But great to listen to both of you. Uh, yeah, Shirley uh, asked whether you know, she wasn't sure what, what the crisis was. Uh, and I, as a person who, who wrote that, that title for the session, I must admit, I, I wondered whether people, people would make of it. Um, I'm not a teacher, but I am working in uh, nursery and early years interventions for kids who are behind on language and so on. 
um, and pretty much all anybody is talking about in the nursery in early years is the massive damage that's been done to the kids uh, through lockdown and how far behind them, behind they are with the social and language and other problems that they're seeing and about the effect that's going to have as it comes up the line into, into um, mainstream school. And also as those kids become the older siblings of kids who have just been born now. Um, now, I don't know if that's being felt higher up the school chain, but it's mm. certainly been felt at the nursery uh, level. So, um, I don't, so, you know, is there a crisis? Well, I think there is caused by lockdown, but I don't know if teachers generally associate that um, with lockdown. Now, my instinct is to support strikes first and uh, question whether they're the right approach second. And I've written actually, now I'm cheered, someone who's got in a non-union industry, um, where people just don't get it most of the time. They don't understand why someone would strike or why you should support someone in another industry who's asking for more pay. I've actually been really cheered by the fact that people have been coming out in the teacher and other strikes. But there's, and, and, and to, to Connor's point about the lockdowns, I'm generally against them. I've changed my mind back and forth throughout the last two years on that. So I completely agree. That you know we shouldn't you know, belittle people for having a different view to what we might have. But as a parent, there's two things that really stick, stick in my craw. One is that you know there was the unions, the teachers were leading the charge to close schools, and now they pretend they never did. They blame it on the government. This now we've got all the damage coming through. It's like we can't say we. It wasn't us. It was the um, it was the government who made us do it. It wasn't the unions. It was the government who made us lock down the schools. And that to me is cowardice. Um, and uh, the second one, yeah, is the is the collusion in the falsehood that that our online learning for that time was actually education. I mean, yes, uh, school teachers were were schools didn't shut. Teachers were probably working harder than ever trying to deliver this ridiculous deliver this ridiculous approach to education. But it was every parent who went through that knows that it wasn't education. To pretend it was is a is a set of collusion in the falsehood. Okay. I actually think the damage to kids during COVID was the isolation, was not being able to come and see their mates and knock about together. And I actually think, my own, it's just an instinct, I think you exaggerate the damage to kids' learning. I remember a long time ago, someone said schools aren't that important. I still think that in many ways. Schools aren't that important, really, on the scale of things. Um, but that's just my thinking. Just my thinking out loud. You're allowed to say I'm another. Um, okay out to you our speakers but I'm still wanting somebody to tease out this thing about the strike and is it you support it and the idea that we're liberals and, and um, thingy's point Hillary's point that came back so why don't you organise teachings and prove your liberal credentials and so on I find that's a tension there and I want to know if you think they're the same thing or are they different but anything anybody wants to say think out loud one two um, well I think one of the problems is that teachers themselves are not agreed on what their role in society is, which is possibly what, because Alex was asking why, what is the strike about? Um, I think the reason it's about pay, correct me if I'm wrong, is the simplest way of uh, presenting a lot of problems that are in, within education at the moment. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the older teachers might even disagree with the younger teachers about about why they're on strike. And you know, I've had conversations at work. It's about funding. It's about underfunding. I've had conversations with 
teachers who've said we're on strike for the wrong reasons, we should be striking over all the extra stuff that we have to do, and if we just stopped running lunchtime clubs, running school trips, giving up our half term to go skiing, you know, all these things, um, that would make it more, emphasise more what the role what role teachers are playing at the moment, and it is not just about being in the classroom. Um, so I think there's no clear consensus on what, what the role of the teacher is, which is part of the problem. So uh, it opens up an opportunity yeah. to talk about it, but um, I'm not sure, I've not been on the picket line because I'm not in the union voted to go on strike. Um, but I, it's... I don't know, I don't think Do you think that there. tension you talk about makes Hillary's earlier point a bit wacko, a bit utopian? Or do you think it strengthens her point when she tries to bring she tries to bring into the strike the idea of the teachers are for this liberal rounded education or intellectuals of this vision? A but, beautiful idea, but <laughs> I think we're a long way off yeah. that. And I, I totally agree with Harley about I mean I didn't sign up to the NEU when I had the opportunity because of their, um, their behaviour during the COVID pandemic. I did not agree with what they were arguing for and I totally agree that they're being dishonest now about who it was that really forced us to close your schools. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I was just going to say that. But your point about the NEU is interesting. I have a really interesting teacher called Danny, but he's left the union. He won't go on strike on appoint the principal because the union never defended free speech with a teacher up in Batley who basically was showing the cop thingy of Muhammad or whatever on appoint the principal. He wrote to the union and then he wrote to the NAS my union and said, would you defend, would you defend that teacher? Cause I wouldn't want to join you and they wouldn't. But th- there you go. So this thing about no consensus is interesting about what people are thinking. My impression is that um, um, the UK government is also very rich and why they haven't invested enough in education. And it's so important, like, it's the future of this country. Um, I also don't understand that. Um, and also, um, for teachers, whether they go on strike or not, what impact would they have on the results of the education, maybe? Because people are worried about the maybe the academic results. Um, what kind of impact will it make? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. And can I say one last thing, speakers, and pick up what you want? The, I don't do Facebook at all, but Frank, Frank Ferretti has been quoted on a lot because he was in GB News or somewhere, and he said it's morally indefensible of teachers to go on strike, and it opened up a little bit of a spat or a disagreement between um, some people. Um, I'm interested to see just straight point blank. Do you disagree with him? Is he, is he right? Um, but again, you get a chance to pick up in more detail than you want. And if you don't, I actually got my next five questions. <laughs> so it's up to you. Um, go Greg. Greg yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I think, uh, why don't we invest more in education? Absolutely. I think that, uh, I think, uh, that out of, um, anything that might come out of this strike, it, uh, I, I would be hopeful and optimistic that a, uh, a recognition of the investment, of the need to invest more in education, um, might well be an outcome. I hope that, uh, I, and I hope that it is. But I think with so, as so many people have said, I think alluded to, um, one of the things that we're learning is just how muddled many people's positions are. We are, uh, which, and, and, um, Again, hopeful, but uh, uh, maybe overly hopeful, that maybe we're at the beginning of a process of some kind of clarification 
of um, why it is that that uh, that that a, that a strike is justified if it is justified. Um, I think that um, that I, I would just want to say a couple of things, just as a as a teacher, to um, to uh, echo some of the things that Connor was saying. Um, we closed briefly when everything else closed. Uh, we opened up again as soon as we could. And my experience was that myself and the people that I know who were teachers at my school, basically we busted our asses. Uh, did, was it effective? Often not. And that was the worst part of it. Um, I think that uh, if it, so often it felt like, you know, double the effort for a tenth of the impact. Uh, and that's very, very frustrating. Um, I certainly would have argued against the, the, the union uh, uh, arguing to keep it closed. I didn't notice other teachers arguing, not any ones that I know. Yeah. Didn't notice other teachers arguing to keep it closed. I think that was different. Um, and uh, and just on this argument around, is it morally defensible? No, I don't agree. I, I, I disagree with that framing. Why on earth should we frame this struggle in terms, in, in light, of what happened during COVID. It, uh, I don't, I, I certainly think that COVID had a massive impact. I see that in my students, to your question, Harley. I see that in, in my students uh, all the time. It had a massive impact in many ways, whether it was it's certainly to do with the socialization question, just simply being able to be with other people and outside of the home, but definitely also academically. It is a, it's a massive hit, and I hear that from the math department, from the English department, and I certainly see that in the art department. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that schools are that important and, and, and we're seeing that impact. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just you've touched a nerve with these two about your COVID thing. So that's no bad thing. Good. Just just on, on what you said about the teachers being muddled. Just are you not muddled? Why, why won't you just go out and strike your GCC and A-level will smash them then? It's the way to go, surely. Let's do it. Let's inflict maximum damage. Tell me why you say that. Um, morally indefensible, or you don't agree with that? Uh, because I hadn't thought about it, and I'm muddled. I'll, I'll, hands up. Fair enough, and that's honest, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is the problem, that so, so many people in the profession are muddled. F- for a start, look, in, this is not a moral argument. I think Frank Freddy was wrong to... to, to to try and make it into a moral argument. For me, it's a rational argument that if you seek to defend the status and thereby the working conditions and the pay of teachers, this is exactly the wrong way to go about it because all this is going to do is uh, make the status of teaching worse or less valued. Um, Industrial action is is important and necessary, but that doesn't necessarily mean strike. And it was completely uncontroversial when, as I say, over a decade ago, the idea of of, uh, action short of strike action was introduced. The NAS introduced it. It was so darn successful that the um, uh, NUT, as it was then, uh, then joined in after originally saying, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Right? It was completely uncontroversial. Nobody went around saying, oh, no, no, we should strike. Um, if the arguments were true then, they're certainly even more true now when we have this, I think it is an educational crisis. Um, interestingly, the university uh, lecturers, university uh, staff, uh, have been striking for a while. And many of us... Um, 
were debating whether that was the right thing to do, given that university students had received so little in-person or, or any kind of tuition. And, and, the, and the issue didn't come up then about uh, whether um, striking had to be done. It was the, uh, it was the only way to, to, to make the claim. Um, and suddenly, it's really controversial when we get it into schools, and I don't understand that. I think it's dishonest. Sorry, old love, but I think it's dishonest to say, well, I was in school. I mean, I know you were, man, and I know you worked really hard. I'm not having to go at you on that front. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is, is two things. First of all, most teachers weren't furloughed. The rest of the country during covid was furloughed at 20%. They took a 20% pay cut just like that, bam. So the, the argument about pay has to be in the context of most of the country was sitting at home taking a 20% pay cut and the teachers were actually being paid. But also, the argument that we were in school, we were functioning, speaks to the shifting role of what the teacher means because you may have been in school and vulnerable kids and kids of key workers and so on may have been being taught but the majority of kids in schools in this country were not in education and it's worth repeating that the unions were driving that process so do not look to the unions now to defend the role and the conditions of teachers now because they did everything possible to deprofessionalize the teaching profession dur during that time. And, it, and you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's not possible for us to say, well, that was then and things are different now and we've learned and we've moved on or maybe things are opening up. Great, great. And you've had a good bite at that night. Yeah. Um, and that's, you really hammered a couple of times. So we'll let Connor come back. You basically want to take a square and make the conversation here. And obviously, Connor and Gregor, I think, are trying to, you know, they see the conversation is here. Uh, and that's the way I, I perceive. That's the way, no, but that's the way I perceive the way that you are, you are coming at it. So what I want you to do is come back on him or whatever you want. I would be wrong to say that unions weren't advocating for, you know, partial closures of schools. I mean, I was in the middle of it at the time. I remember it very well. I remember it almost photographically. And... Um, but what, what I would say is communities were probably ahead of us um, long before, like a week and a half before schools actually closed on the 20th of March. And again, I remember these dates and I can rhyme them off because I was right in the middle of it. I was in meetings every single day before I had a teacher um, and with members of my group. Um, even in the local association, like two weeks before we closed, people go, oh, should we be talking about school closures? Um, is the communities acted long before schools did? Um we, from about a week and a half before the announcement of closures, we must have dropped about 10% of students a day because communities were active. They're actually seeing people they knew end up in hospital. My own department, two people ended up in hospital. One and their dad died in the first wave. And, and it was, that was quite a lot. I was like, no, my school community's not huge. And there's a lot of people I knew. I could just start, by the end of April 2020, I could find people in my hand who I knew who had lost someone in the first wave. Again, I was in Hackney high-density housing, multi-generational housing, and so on. So I was right, right in the middle of it and here, here and these things. And so I think communities acted, and it was because of a public health emergency, which was poorly understood, and so on. So wouldn't apologise for any of that stuff. I, I, I would say, be wrong to say that we weren't arguing for action in that, but I also, I don't, I don't know that the union does say that we weren't involved in it. We're, I mean, you can just Google it, and you'll find those videos of Kevin Courtney and 
Mary Preston will find me for mm-hmm. like arguing for it. Um, and then coming back to the idea about um, how people view teachers, I mean, I don't think the polling reflects that. I think the polling's public. I mean, it's shifted, I think, since since January and so on. Poland's largely been more in favour than against the, the teacher strikes. And certainly when we are in a picket line, a couple of parents walking past who live in the local community, come up, took a flyer from us, said, you know, tooting the horns or saying, well, we, we support you, blah, blah, and so on. Um, I think the media certainly tried to, you know, sort of picture it as, 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 as if there's like a sort of objection to it, but the polling doesn't reflect that. And again, as I say, the days that we're out, there's loads of other unions out talking about the public. We are the public. The as left of the public are, they're all workers too. They're all people. They've got kids, who, you know, Teachers also have kids, and teachers would draw their neighbours if teachers don't also have kids, and they do, and so it's 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 an odd sort of uh, polarity to to sort of position. I think. Well, that's great, lads. I think you've all had a good life at that, and this might be our last round, depending on how much people speak or whatever. Can I just touch through, say something before I go out to you and bring you all back and say what you want? Can I just think out loud and help me with this because I'm genuinely. Struggling with, I've been struggling for ages, and I'm not saying you're going to resolve it, but you might help me. Uh, it partly goes back to the way Hillary threw the thing out, and she said, well, why don't you all go and do these teachers and teach, you know, philosophy and all? And it's to do with the fact that I understand where she's coming from, the partly stemmed from certain things Gregor said about, you know, liberal education, la, 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 la. But I think Louise hit the nail on the head, and I've always thought that there's just no consensus of what it is to be a teacher. So my thinking is, I want to advocate certain arguments for why I think it is to be a teacher, you know, and I think I've got a very progressive, future-orientated, intellectual sense of what it is to be a teacher, and I see that there, but I I, I see myself as a worker, and my, my, my problem is, there's a tension, at the end of the day, I would go on strike for a year. I, I would deprive kids of an education for a year against this government if I, if I had to do that in the fight, right? Call me what you will. But what, what I'm trying to get at is it's that tension. I do see myself as a worker selling my labour when push comes to shove as much as I want to be somebody who believes in this uh, liberal-rounded education. And so it's to what help us out, can, to what extent can those things be married or are they held in tension? And, you know, Toby has an interesting point when he came in because he said, you've got to think about the state, the government, put the spotlight on them, and maybe that's the way to do it because they're creating the problem. But I do sometimes think, are we cheating when we try to talk about fighting for a liberal-rounded education and the autonomy and the professional and independent judgment of a teacher and, you know, all these things we believe in? To what extent are we not going to square a pig in the round hole when we talk about the strike? And, you know, the right to go on strike and the, the, the lack of, I think, see, I've got these people all in the Black Lives Matter, all these young teachers, and they're all dead on. I get on with them, but the politics is terrible. And basically the bottom line is, I'm fairly united at one level on the strike. Not completely. So I'm struggling with this issue. I'd like people to come back and, you know, perhaps say what they want to say on that. If I can put Ian, he's quite at the back. He's a private school teacher and I'm interested about the private schools on this and about what the teachers in that, uh, you know, um, sector of education are thinking of that being different to thinking to um, teachers in the state sector. So whatever you want, help us out. How can we move the conversation forward? Um, I want to come back, not to the point you're making just now, but the one before about how much damage the strikes do. And I think I'm with you on that, actually, you don't necessarily think. 
particularly at the present time, even you know, given the history and COVID and so on, that the odd day here and there really makes a difference. But the reason the perception is that it makes a big difference is because the way people, teachers, now understand what education is and the packaging, to go back to my delivery, and the covering of material, you know, people get anxious and worried for all sorts of reasons, and, you know, that opens up a note of their accountability boxes and stuff, get all sorts of worried about they haven't covered this, you know, this and they haven't done that. And part of, and, and that's because they don't really understand what education is and what actually, how to teach, I have to say, and I say this as a, you know, a long-term teacher educator, that we didn't, that people don't learn how to teach anymore. They really do not understand. They, they, they know how to, um, you know, it's like a, a puzzle and you're sort of finding the right bits and following the instructions and, and covering material. But they don't really understand how kids learn. And they don't necessarily either have a great mastery, and I use the word advisedly, of, of their subject. And I think we have a real, that's where the real crisis is, actually. So is that a separate discussion from the strike, though? No. You, you're, no. Nodding, you're nodding yes and you're saying, okay, well, that's interesting. No. Could that question still hang in? And I want people to genuinely help us out with that. Um, um, did you want to come in, Ian? Yeah. Go on, um, in. So, I mean, your question about if you're a worker uh, and you like that idea, well, if you're a worker, you somebody says to you, okay, this is what I want you to do, this is what I'm going to pay you, you look at the, the terms and conditions and you either do the job or you don't do it. it. It seems incompatible to me that you then start to set conditions like, well, I want to see myself in a particular way with this job. And I, I have to have this particular concept of it. You're, you're getting paid to do a job, so you either do it or you don't. Um, and the, the thing about what, what interests me about the, um, the 2010 uh, date for when the pay in real terms fell is why people pick that date or that year. Why not go back to 97 when the money went up for 13 years? And it did go up. It shot up. You had to jump through hoops to get it, but that's due later for you. But it went up. Now, in that time, did education get better? Did the money get well spent? Did Was there a cohesive sense of what it was to be a teacher? Did anyone moan? I don't remember strikes as much. There were threats to go on strike. But even with the new Labour government, chucking money at the profession, mm -hmm. it was still a problem. So this idea, I think if, if, I mean, Gillian Keegan couldn't be here this evening, but I'll, I'll imagine what I, I would be thinking if I were her. Even if you give them the money, it's not going to make any difference. And on the other hand, if you did give them the money, it would be interesting to see what happened next. But we, we've had that time and the money did go. I feel very sorry for people that came in after 2010 because they won't remember a time when the money went up above inflation, but it did used to. And that's part of the reason it's a problem now, because it's kind of leveled off over over 23 years. It's probably dropped a bit, but 
That, that was the performance through the pay excuse, wasn't it? That's what blur. But it, but that's it, what no, but I'm just that's what the excuse was that you know you had to like it was yeah, performed, but everybody got it. A, a but, but you see, because of that, people went along with it. The unions went along with it, so they said, "Okay, well, this isn't this is really a pay." A pretty, I completely agree, mate. You've got to fill out a form. Yeah. fill out your form, but then you see you were in you you were in a problem where it's back to your worker analogy. New Labour said, well, you've got your money. Now do what you're told. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. people said, oh, we don't know what we're told. Yeah. Well, that's why the money won't come now, because it's not going to make any difference yeah. to how people respond. Two things, though. Do you think, are you with Garth, do you think the strike's morally indefensible? I, don't, I didn't say the strike was morally Sorry, do you think the strike, you're right, you're right, Frank said that. Do you think, what do you think of this teacher strike? Do you think it's wrong? Do you support them 100%? What's your instinct? Yeah, I suppose it. Of course, they've got a right to strike. Okay. Uh, and just on the market thing, you, you're brilliant on that. Although I completely disagree with you, uh, and I think you're cheating, uh, like a conservative Tory free marketeer, and you're redefining what education is uh, by by introducing the ethos and the parameters of the market in the education just because teachers get a pay rise, and I don't accept that. And I and I think that you're entitled to get a good wage as a teacher. And at the same time, have an intellectual vision of what you think education should be and have the space to be autonomous. And as it happens, even in the marketplace where you're talking about the market, I still think individual workers have that space and autonomy. So I like, you'll get a chance to come back on that. I think you're cheating in the way that you define the discussion about someone who wants to have an intellectual orientation in education and get a decent wage. But what's brilliant about what you say is you're really bringing to the fore this tension between those two things about uh, being a worker and being whatever you want to call the other word. I don't think professional captures it, but we'll use that word. And I, th- I think there's, there's a slight sort of tension I've got in my mind, which is that um, on the one hand, um, you know, I, I mean, I think comparing teachers, I think, to my profession, um, university education, you know, teachers are more morally committed to their job. I think the lecturers are, and you know, I think the lecturers have gone too removed, too, too, too far down the online route. But, you know, I see, I think the difference with teachers is that, you know, I see a lot of teachers really committed to their job. Okay. And so I, I think, um, you know, that's why I sometimes, um, realize what they have suggestions that they're not, uh, you know, yeah, they're not committed, they're not, um, sticking at it. You know, COVID, I think, was obviously a bit of an exception. Uh, you know, lots of people were frightened by, um, obviously, the media and, uh, you know, the team scaring and what have you. But, um, but, but at the same time, you know, lots of what um, Shirley says is true, that obviously, you know, there, is, there, is, there has been a hollowing out of education and, you know, what when new teachers coming into the profession are sent into schools where it's, do nails, it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, plenaries and it's, um, you know, book, uh, now it's like book, um, book organizers and things. Uh, so, you know, there's a real, you know, there's a real, obviously there's a lot of problems with what education has become. Um, but it, that makes it very difficult to have the kind of discussions or vision of education that I think, yeah. you know, uh, Gregor is advocating. So, so, you know, we're in a situation where, uh, yeah, you've got people who are committed to a job, but the, the climate 
yeah. Yeah. Means, makes it very difficult. Yes, for that. and it's teacher scripts, it's process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Alex, at the same time, is the moral commitment. Not, not I'm saying this is a. I think it's a bad thing, but you don't have to think it's a bad thing. But it's the moral commitment that you're talking about from teachers, more to do with a sense of social justice and about wanting to get like you know, equality and solve effectively what you might consider to be external problems. So I'm interested in what you mean by the moral commitment thing. Well, I think you said it earlier on that it's confused, right? And that's true. Okay. And I think, I think you know, our points about instrumentalization of education mean that, yes, I think most young people come, coming into it think about it in terms of solving the world's problems um, through education. It's, it replaces context, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's like it's yeah. becomes a moral vocation, yeah. but not necessarily an educational yeah. vocation. Okay. So just to finish my point, my point is I guess coming back to sort of unions mm. and you know, I'm interested to what extent, you know, is there is there a sort of discussion going on behind the unions? Is there any possibility that there is there are some more discussions around reprofessionalization that, that can can move teachers beyond it? Is there, is there the potential for, to, for them to move beyond the, the um, fatalism that you, I think you rightly, that word I think is the right phrase. Okay, but just before I move to Hillary, because this is probably the last time you speak, is there, what's, to what extent is there a connection between the strike and the idea of what you're talking about, about what your vision of a teacher should be? I mean, are they separate discussions still, or to what extent are they overlapping? So your point was really interesting. Honestly, it was, but I'm still not sure if we're moving. Maybe we can't resolve the question. Maybe it's a stupid question. I'm trying to work out. Have you got any last things to say? Do you think you're saying that the two things are overlapping, and are are you just have you just ended up making an interesting point about education, which isn't that related to the strike? I, I don't know that the teachers know. I mean, I, you know, if, it's, if they're striking for pay, I support that. But I agree with Gareth that it's the wrong tactic. I think there are better tactics that could be used. Um, you know, I think a couple of days strike is not a big deal, but I think there's, there's more effective tactics that could be used Great. in the circumstances. Brilliant. So we've got probably two more speakers, and then it's up to you to give us your thoughts about the world. Uh, Hilary? Um, yeah, Gareth, you might be a bit polemical there, but, you know, not all of the workers are fair, but only about seven of the workers are actually fair. So, you know, let's not reinvent history uh, in the way that, that some of the people are doing. Um, and, and have teachers let their pupils and themselves down? I mean, I, I think individual teachers work really hard in college whether in schools or out of schools. And they worked in sometimes massively stressful and upsetting situations where they were dealing with children who were distressed and, and you know, you, you, we shouldn't underestimate how hard that was for individual teachers and to, and to blame them for saying, oh, you let people down by doing that. I don't think it's actually very fair. And the fact that they had, that they were a bit politically lost I think it's a, it doesn't surprise me. You know, so many people are politically lost, and that's not just the fault of union leaders. That's because that's because there is no. It's the whole team of thing, isn't it? There is no political alternative out there, and the fact that that left teachers, you know, really floundering in, in terms of what was the right thing to do, um, is not a surprise. And we shouldn't blame them individually. because. I do think this is the difference. Really, lots of people are saying this back to the 70s. I think the really big difference is that in the 70s, the discussion was who governs who and in whose interests. 
And that's the question that nobody's asking there. Not Mary Bosted or Bob Kevin. You know, none of these people, I mean, not Keir Stelman. Nobody's asking those questions. Yeah. And those are the really interesting questions that make people take sides and make people think about some of the things that, you know, maybe you as teachers are thinking of in a very kind of in a narrow technical way, but I think actually are much bigger questions uh, around those real political issues. And I think if you start to engage with those real political issues, you would say that's what it kind of comes around to what you were hinting at, Kevin, that actually if you want to win this dispute, if you want to really say, you know, who should be um, uh, calling the shots here, that means workers going out on an all-out strike, not individual, one day here, one day there. And I'm not just talking about teachers, I'm talking about all of our uh, uh, striking workers. But, but, you know, that would really bring government to the table. That would bring real political questions onto the political agenda. And that would make a difference for everybody. And we would stop thinking about teachers or train drivers or nurses, and we would start thinking about workers um, resources, how we run society, and, and who governs Britain. Who governs Britain? I've got my line of the night now. <laughs> who can better that one? Go on, Louise, you're the last. I'm, really, I'm trying to grapple with the question <laughs> that you're raising about the, the, the sort of link between the strikes and what it means to be a teacher. And uh, you said, and Gareth said that it strikes, I think, sorry if I got this wrong, going on strike now probably wouldn't make that much difference to children's education. I said that. That's you. Because what is children, what are children being educated to do now? They're being just basically fed through a system of how to pass exams. And that's really what my job currently is, is mm. to help students pass exams. Yeah. So, yeah. on the one hand, yes, it wouldn't affect education because we have a different understanding of what education is. <laughs> but that's the problem because everybody else will say, but it is going to affect their education yeah. and students themselves. But I have to say, I found most students are pretty on side with the um, strikes. I've got kids with NEU stickers on their laptops. I don't know where they got them. Maybe they're parents and teachers. But there's the doesn't seem to be anybody saying, oh, but you shut schools down to, you know. So that's just my, my experience. The kids, but, healthy instinct, couple more days off school. Yeah. So this discussion's about the strike tonight, but some of the things that people said about the nature of education, what it is to be a teacher, are the things that come around and stuck with me in my head that's got me thinking. Um, so, so thank you for that, um, personally. Comrades, if I may, call us comrades. Who would, who would like to speak? Me. Uh, go on, mate. Everyone's going out on strike, and then everyone will go back the next day and do do nows. So what is the strike about? Right, I think there is, and absolutely there is, a fight to be had over the value of teachers. And, and that is a fight essentially about the value of education. The meaning that we as a society put on education dictates the value that we put on education. Now that fight is to be had day in, day out. Things are at such a point where you, you may go on strike on one day and for the other however many days it is you're going to be in the classroom, you're, you're, you, even Kevin Rooney, is going to be doing do-nows. 
Where you have to withdraw your labour, and I realise I'm saying this as someone who's no longer a teacher, but I've been there, but where you have to withdraw your labour is say, I'm not going to do do nows, and I'm not just going to say, I like to talk to the kids. We're going to have to get teachers making a stand and saying, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. Why not? Because that is not what education is about. And that is the place to withdraw the labour. And I, I know for a fact when I've done it, when I've been a teacher, that it's actually really quite difficult to go up against management and say, you're not going to make me do that. I'm, I'm going to have to take you on. And yes, this will go all the way to bringing the union in and fighting this because I'm not going to do that because I don't think that is my job. And will you support a strike on that then? If the strike were absolutely about those issues and teachers in the day-to-day had done everything possible to stop doing that and striking was the only option left, then yes. But as I've said right the way through this, that discussion has not been had in the unions. That's not what this strike is about. That is absolutely not what this strike is about. And I will certainly be in favour of teachers that would strike that. But first, they have to get back in the classroom, make sure the teachers are still being taught, but yet push back on all the bullshit. And that's how to value teachers and how to win the uh, pay claim that, that they're seeking. And as for your workerism, I mean, you, you accused Ian of cheating, but you're the one who's cheating by, by sort of... like. Who isn't selling their labour then? If, if it's about selling labour, everybody's doing that now. We're not living in the bloody 19th century, right? Uh, you know, that idea of, of the worker selling their labour because that's absolute... Their manual power is the only thing they've got to sell was a different kind of context. We're not in that context now, and we can't hope to win this, this current fight over the direction of society by just talking about selling our labor we've got we've got to think in a in a in a much more different way now and that's where i criticize hillary really for for kind of going yeah let's have a general strike like that's maybe an idea but that's not going to happen it's not going to happen gareth you threw all those things and right at the end and there's no time to come back so um comrade Yes, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to sort of draw, draw my thoughts to a close. Listen, at the end of the day, whatever the conversation is, uh, whatever things we could be striking over, the largest union in the country, the largest teachers union, did have these conversations. We started talking about this in July last year. The ballot opened in November, it ran for two months. We beat what our onerous thresholds, which lots of councillors and MPs wouldn't have met, and governments, including the current prime minister, wouldn't have met. And we voted democratically through probably the most democratic mechanism I've ever participated in my life. And we did vote to strike. And you either back that or you don't. And 50,000 people liked the cut of our jib in the NU and they joined us in the space of six weeks. So you either get behind that or you don't. The time to have the conversation about tactics and demands was in the run up to the ballot. Anyone who made different arguments lost that argument in the biggest teachers union. The people like me, we won that argument. If we voted over other things, I would also respect the democratic mandate in that respect. And so this is where we are. 
and on Thursday I'm on strike and on the 15th and 16th I'm on strike and what does make this different from say previous strikes in the last 14 years that I've been teaching is that we actually have a timetable for strike action which we didn't have mm. in the previous six strikes I was on they were all isolated one days mm. and so what does make this different from 2008, 2009 pensions 2011 we had two pension strikes 2013, 14 we had three 2016 we had another is they were all isolated one days one you know, for all its faults, given that we haven't struck for seven years, you know, we have a timetable of national action, then regional action, then double day, and then we'll see where it goes from then. You know, big giant demonstration with loads of other unions on budget day. Very different tenor to even ten years ago when I was a strike before. Connor, thank you. And very last but not least, Gregor, the art teacher. Thank you. Um, I think, I, I think, um, Follow, I, I support what what you've just been arguing, Connor. And I think that one thing that we that we can learn is that events matter. Events matter. Uh, my uh, uh, my what I what I thought about this strike in uh, December and January is different to what I thought uh, what I think about the strike having been on a demo with lots of young teachers who are striking for the first time. That event mattered to me. It clarified things for me. And I think it mattered to the people who were on that strike and on that demo. And I think it mattered to, the, to, to, to others who weren't there, but then thought something different has happened here. And um, that event clarified things. Um, I think that sometimes when, uh, when that clarification happens, that's really important. Sometimes, actually, um, and I'll, with my art teacher hat on, sometimes I think it's good to lack clarity. It allows me, for example, as an art teacher, our curriculum is half a page, half a page. Our curriculum is half a page. Can you compare that to how thick you, you guys are, right? Half a page. What that means is I have an extraordinary amount of freedom as an art teacher. I feel like I'm almost doing the opposite of work to rule. I do what I need to do to tick the boxes. I know what it takes to get students to produce work that looks good. So when other people come in, they think, wow, you must be doing something right. Just keep going. Um, I also, I, and I know how to uh, get students good marks, but I also know how to smuggle in ideas, whether it's in year seven or year 13, smuggle in ideas and practices um, and challenges to my students that I think in my small little way is opening up worlds for them, introducing them to things that they wouldn't otherwise encounter, um, and doing what I can to uh, offer them an education that is adequate to a free human being in the 21st century, as much as I possibly can do that. I think that sometimes um, these separations that you're talking about, are we liberal uh, educationalists or are we working class, sometimes it helps when those things are modeled, because I can smuggle some stuff in, despite the fact that... I've got nothing to sell but my labor, like most other people, and so I'm stuck doing that. We are now in a moment when it seems like there's a conflict that's forcing some clarification, and uh, and and we need to take uh, we're we're being asked to take sides. Um, that has all kinds of potential, and I think a lot of people have, have, have drawn some of those ideas of potential out. We need to be bringing politics back in, and we're we, we uh, I think. Uh, my closing point, I think that um, part of the reason we are in the model that we're in is precisely that we haven't been talking politics for a very long time. Guys, I thought that your three roundups, your finishes, all had a bite. 
they were quite concise, not had a real bite, so fair plenty, a really good um, closing um, statements. And to all our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the debate, no end. Um, if we have um, sort of stimulated your curiosity in any way, contact the uh, education forum, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Thank you guys, great discussion.